Down to Business on News Talk. Sponsored by Bank of Ireland. Here to support your business as it keeps building for years to come with dedicated business teams. Now, prices continue to astonish. Just let me give you some figures. In Spain, inflation year on year is up 9.8%. Across the Eurozone, it's up 7.5%. As we know, the last set of figures, which are historical in Ireland, gave us inflation going up by 5.6%. This week coming, the CSO will announce their latest batch for the month of March, and I expect it to be similarly eye-watering. So what is going on, and is there any role or any part government policy can play in dampening down some of these astonishing numbers. Joining me to discuss this and the wider implications is economist Moore McDool. Good morning, Moore. Good morning, Emmett. I've given you some favour of the figures. I mean, they really are astonishing. I think ordinary people are, are, are reeling. Uh, anyone who was around in the 70s and 80s might be a little bit more kind of socialised to these kind of <laughs> increases. Yeah. But for our newer listeners, just give us an idea of, place these in kind of, I suppose, historical context, just how bad they are. They are bad. But you're quite right. Uh, In the mid-70s and late 70s, prices were rising at one stage in Ireland at around 25% per annum. Wow. (laughs) Just let people linger over that. (laughs) And uh, it was pretty tough um, for people on fixed fixed incomes. So it's it's bad, but it, it, it has been worse. But there is the, and there's an angle to, to this which is worth talking about just for a minute. You mentioned that this headline rate of year on year. And the funny thing about inflation is this. Imagine that for the next three months, prices didn't rise at all. And in each of those months, we looked back a year, we'd still see prices higher than a year ago. So what this means is that when inflation slows down, looking backwards in the rear view mirror, it tends to exaggerate the underlying inflation rate. And the corollary is that when inflation is accelerating, looking back a year tends to underestimate the inflation rate. So really what we should be looking at is not inflation a year ago, but how inflation month on month is behaving. One interesting thing about that is that people have become very conscious of this year-on-year thing since just before Christmas. But the truth is that the rot set in in the summer. If you go back and look at the monthly figures for prices, they were starting to creep up inflation was accelerating. And that meant that looking back a year, underestimated what was going on. And do you remember more um, during the financial crisis, everyone kept on saying, particularly the the Fianna Fáil-led government of the time, kept on saying, it's Lehman Brothers, it's Lehman Brothers, it's Lehman Brothers. Uh, Now we seem to be into it's Ukraine, it's Ukraine, it's Ukraine. I think your point is that that this was well in advance, long before... Well in advance, well in advance. It was starting, and it certainly hasn't been helped. But another interesting thing is if you look at the month-on-month figures, there's a huge jump in January this year. And then when you break it down, what do you discover? Oh, alcohol prices. Now, what happened in January this year? The new um, regime for minimum minimum, prices. 
one, which is one of the stupidest things that governments have ever done. It lines the pockets of retailers, wholesalers, uh, breweries, and so on. Well, more. Let's and talk it's about. It's also very regressive. Yes, well, it's, it's actually lower income people who are affected by this. Correct. Let's talk a little bit about government policy for a second. I mean, traditionally, yep. you had a few levers you could pull. One was interest rates, which the ECB control and don't seem minded to do anything about. There was something called, and again, these terms have kind of disappeared out of usage, price control. And then the final one was subsidisation, that you essentially the government would in some way subsidise those being hit, which is the route we've gone down. And I know a lot of people find that, okay. the, that stuff is untargeted or inadequate or so. I mean... The the options for government here are limited, but just talk me through what's available on the table. First, first, interest rates. Yes, interest rates will reduce inflation to the extent to which the inflation represents uh, excess demand in the economy. Now, the trouble is that at the moment, the, the big hike in inflation is due to energy prices. And also to the the problems of supply lines and so on with with COVID, those are cost factors, and you can't force those down by raising interest rates. In fact, if you do raise interest rates, you're likely to depress demand when costs are rising, and bingo, you've got stagflation. So the second price controls. Let's talk for a moment about rents and rent policy. You know very well that imposing rent controls favours sitting tenants at the expense of other other, other potential tenants. But it also means that people get out of the business of renting houses. So where there's excess demand for houses, introducing price control simply shortens supply, which is exactly what you don't want. And that general principle applies to inflation. Governments will be seen to be doing something, but actually what they're doing is attempting to deal with a symptom, not a cause. So it's it's something which in the long run won't work, and in the short run, is very damaging. Well, let, let me just bring you back to the interest rate question briefly. You were a lecturer for many years in the discipline of economics at UCD. Um, not too many, far away from you, Philip Lane was, was lecturing yep. in the same discipline in Trinity College. He's now the chief economist of the ECB. He's saying that one, these prices will settle down, that there's, a, as you know, a transitory element to this. And he was saying that again this week. And he's also saying he's not minded to increase interest rates at all at the moment and might actually lower them even further. So he's saying, I'm keeping everything open at the stage. Do you agree with his general stance? Do you think he, what yeah. he, do you, do you agree with his commentary that it makes sense to your ears? Yeah, I, I, I do. You're not going to be able to control inflation by raising interest rates under present circumstances, even in the short run. And he is correct that some of these cost factors, the energy thing, Ukraine, uh, the recovery problems in supply chains in, under from COVID, all these things are temporary. And when they've worked their way through, 
then inflation will come down. How soon will that be? Well, that's crystal ball gazing. But he is right as a general proposition. Okay. And the, well, I wanted, to, I wanted to stop you for another reason, because you are also the author of a book, if I recall, on the history of the ESB. Am I correct? The co-author. Yes, co-author with Morris Manning. That's right. So, so that brings me on to the terrain of what we can do potentially domestically. ESB is a company that sources most of its power from outside, as in the, the fuel that powers its power stations and so on. It does have other assets as well. I mean, is there anything, you hear a lot of a big catch cry, particularly on social media, that here is a state-owned company, you know, it is in a a competitive market, that there can be something done to kind of use that company as some kind of a lever to do reduce these energy prices. What what do you think of the role of ESB or Energia, as its retail arm is called, in in all of this? Electric electric Uh, Ireland, yeah, apologies. What do you think its role, if any, can be in any of this? In the short run, there's nothing it can do. In the short run, uh, if wind is not blowing, then you need gas or coal. And because we've turned our back on nuclear, that's all that we can do. So in terms of the cost of producing electricity, there is nothing the ESB or Electric Island can do. It can do all kinds of things about uh, changing its pricing so as to change the way people consume it. But in terms of getting general prices down in the short run, nothing really they they can do. And if you force them to do it, then basically you're saying they should take a loss. And and, and that seems to be what some some are suggesting, which is is a peculiarity. Yeah, it's peculiar. I mean, these these are people, yeah, as you say, social media and also some of the blathering from opposition in the oil the so-called useful idiots. (laughs) Well, I suppose more, I'm going to leave you with this last question. A lot of our listeners don't care so much about the politics, but they are struggling, particularly home heating oil is the one that catches my eye. I mean, astonishing uh, what you pay for a fill of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you anything to say to them? You have a slight, you know, there's a slight optimistic air to what you're saying about the transitory nature of it potentially. But is, is there anything just for the order listener listening to that the two of us driving the car today, whether it's petrol or diesel car they're in, if they're lucky enough to be able to afford the petrol or diesel, is there anything you've got to say to them that will just give them a, a, a slight optimistic slant on this news that's hitting them every day? I'd be, I wouldn't be an economist if I were peddling optimism, would I? <laughs> it rules. It's a disqualifier in your profession. <laughs> it would. It would. No, I, I, there is very little to offer. And the trouble is, it, it's little worse than that. The kind of things that are done to keep the useful idiots quiet will, 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 on the face of it, like bring down the price of petrol or bring down the price of gas. But inevitably... What this means is somebody else somewhere is being asked to pay for it. Well, that's interesting theory. And I'm glad you mentioned useful idiots, but didn't name any of them by name. And uh, our lawyers are happy about that too. Economist Moore McDool, thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Really appreciate you talking to us today on News Talk. Okay. 